Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Once Jesus came to die on the cross, nothing could have interrupted that sequence of events. And today, even with the coronavirus affecting our world, nothing can stop us from celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here is the Easter story. Early on Sunday morning, a new day was dawning. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord had came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards were terrified when they saw him. And they fell into a deep faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen, just like he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. And now, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The woman ran quickly from the tomb. They were frightened but filled with joy as they rushed to tell the disciples of the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Worshipped him. Worshipped Worshipped him. So grateful for our Keiki who do a video or some special production every year to tell the Easter story. And this year they did it from the Gospels. And so how wonderful to hear a compact summary of the Easter story. Well, what is Easter? Basically, that Jesus of Nazareth was really God, fully human, fully divine. He came to this earth. He was killed, but then he rose from the dead. And no other human being in all of humankind has ever died and come back to life. And that is our great hope, because then it means he really is God. And then it means that what he told us to do and what he told us how to live is all true. But, you know, we call the Easter story the good news. Sometimes we talk about gospels, and gospels mean it's the good news story. But all good news starts off with bad news. And the bad news in this case is that all of humankind has this flaw. It's kind of a a moral virus. It is that we are sinful, meaning we've missed the mark. We tend to be selfish. We tend to be narcissistic. We tend to be angry and violent. And we tend to be only thinking about ourselves. And you see that all over the world, in all cultures, throughout all of human history, there's always some war going on somewhere in the world, in some country, in some culture. The bad news is this also, that before this glorious resurrection of our Lord, we find that the Lord had to die a very terrible death with tremendous suffering. And so I want to read from the Gospel of Luke in the 22nd chapter, in the 39th verse. And here we find Jesus and his disciples in a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, last week I said in Palm Sunday, he arrives in Jerusalem. He's there for almost a week, about four days. And then on a Thursday, he has his last meal, so to speak, a Passover meal. 
and he's with his disciples. After that, they sing a hymn, things look good, and they go to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. Let me read this now in the 39th verse in the 22nd chapter of the Gospel of Luke. He, Jesus, came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not come into the time of trial, or some translations, temptation. Then he withdrew from them, about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, not my will, but yours be done. He knew that the, his father, God, wanted him to, to die for humankind, but he, he was in so much anguish at that point. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him, gave him strength. In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. And when he got up from prayer, he came to his disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Okay, I'm going to stop there before we get to the glorious Easter story. Here Jesus is going through tremendous anguish because he knows that soon he will be arrested. Soon he will be taken to a place where he will be beaten and tortured, and then he will be crucified. It says here, you know, sometimes you wonder, how scientific is the Bible? It says here that there were like great drops of blood falling down on the ground, and, you know, Luke, who wrote this, was a physician, and there is a medical condition. I, I looked it up, and it has two different spellings, and one is hemotohidosi, and it means that sometimes under great anxiety and anguish, these chemicals are released in the sweat glands and, and they can somehow make the capillaries burst. And so blood actually comes out in the sweat and falls out as it says here. So this is not mythology. This is a kind of a medical condition at this point of tremendous anguish. Now I realize I'm saying all this and we have a real mixed audience, especially on Easter. We have children, and we have youth, and we have adults listening to this. And, and so let me tell the Easter story in a little different way. I'm, I'm going to share a parable. Imagine this. There's this young boy named Johnny, and, and Johnny is at school, and he's not very well liked. He's kind of an outcast, and people make fun of him all the time. And, the, and then one day because he was kind of hungry. He saw this musubi, musubi on, the, on someone's table, and he looked around, and he didn't think anybody would notice, and he took it, and later ate it. And he thought he got away with it, scot-free. But lo and behold, the next day, the bully of the school came with some other bullies and went up to Johnny and said, Hey, you took my musubi. And Johnny was saying, Oh my goodness, of all the people in the school, I took his? And he said, No, 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 I didn't. I, I really didn't. He goes, No, you did. And I'm going to punch you in the face for that. And Johnny was really scared. And this bully reared back, about to punch him, when all of a sudden this voice came off from the side. And it was this kid, this new kid in the school who Johnny hardly knew. In fact, he thought his name was Jesus. And this new kid said, hey, wait a minute, lay off the kid, man, back off. And the bully said, hey, who are you, man? Who are you to say that to me? And this new kid said, back off. And he said, no, I'm going to punch the daylights out of Johnny. And this kid, Jesus, said, look, if you're going to go to Johnny, you're going to have to go through me. So if you're going to punch anybody, 
punch me instead. And the bully said, fine with me, and boom, he hit Jesus in the face. And Johnny couldn't believe that, and he just ran away. The next day, Johnny's on the school ground, on the campus, and all of a sudden he turns a corner, and it's that bully again. He says, you, you're the guy who took my musubi. And he grabbed Johnny, threw him against a, a wall of a classroom, and he said, I'm going to punch you out. And again, out of nowhere, this voice comes. And it's that new kid Jesus again. He said, hey, lay off him, man. I told you that. And if you're going to hit him, you're going to have to go through me. Don't do it. And the bully again said, all right. You want me to go through you? Boom, hit him in the face. The next day, Johnny's off by himself on the campus. And again, the bullies come around him. And again, this kid Jesus says, hey, how many times do I tell you? Back off. And the bully says, oh, you want me to hit you again? Don't even say it, that I have to go through you. Boom. And they hit Jesus so hard, he was knocked out, decked out, on the ground. And the bullies leave, and Johnny crumples to the ground, just crying, and just says, I can't believe this. What is going on? And then Johnny starts hitting himself, and then he thinks, maybe I'll start cutting myself. And suddenly this hand grabs his arm and says, Johnny, don't do that. And Johnny says, I don't know, man. Like, everybody hates me. Everybody talks stink about me. Everybody criticizes me. They say I'm a nobody. And this kid says, no, you're of great worth. You are of tremendous worth. And from the day you were born, I am telling you, you're of great worth. Well, the next day, Johnny was thinking, I got to do something fun. And he decides, you know what? I'm going to do this dance that I just learned, and I'm going to video myself and put it on TikTok. And that'll just be fun. I'll take my mind off things. And he did that. And soon after he put it up there, he couldn't believe on the internet all these comments came rolling in and just telling Johnny what a jerk he is, he's awkward, he's clumsy, he looks stupid, and what an idiot he is. And he thought, oh man, why did I do that? And then he saw this comment. It was from this kid named Jesus. And the kid wrote, hey, back off on Johnny, man. Everybody just be quiet. Stop it. It's not good to bully people on the internet. Well, about a week later, Johnny's on the campus. He's walking along, and this other kid comes up. A classmate says, hey, man, sorry about your friend. And Johnny says, what are you talking about? Sorry about your friend. He said, what are you talking about? He said, your friend, Jesus. Some days ago, the bully found him, and a whole mess of kids started punching him just to have fun, knocked his head against a wall, and he never woke up, and he passed away. Sorry, man. And the classmate left. And Johnny thought, no, no, it can't be. Of all the people 
this Jesus kid, he, the new kid, he was the nicest kid. He was always nice to people. Yeah, sometimes he would sit with the most popular people, the cheerleaders or the jocks, but other times he purposely would sit at the table of the ones who were the outcasts. He would hang out with them. He would help people with their homework, and he was always nice to me. I can't believe it. And Johnny just started crying and crying and crying, and he just crumpled on the ground of, this, of the campus at the schoolyard and just started wailed, wailing and wailing. And then his voice on the side, it, it was the gardener of, of the school ground. And he said, hey, why are you crying? And Johnny said, I think my best friend just died. I can't believe it. And then the gardener says, Johnny. And Johnny looks up and the gardener is Jesus. And he can't believe it. And he runs to him and hugs him. Now, it's a parable of the Easter story. Now let's go back to the Bible. Remember that story and let's go back to the Bible. And so, later on in the Gospels, we find that Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And all of a sudden, a crowd of people come in. People with torches, with swords, with clubs. They were temple police. And they come and they grab Jesus. And they take him away to a jail. And they torture him. And they put him in a mock trial. And they make fun of him. They say, oh, you think you're the king of kings? And they dress him up and they put a, a crown of thorns to, to mock him and make jokes about him. And they pushed down the crown that pierced his temples. And then later they whipped him and they beat him. And they take him to a cross, two big beams of wood. And they nail him to a cross. And six to eight hours later, he dies. That's part of the Easter story. But then this is what happens a few days later. On a Sunday morning, a woman named Mary Magdalene and some other women come to the tomb of Jesus, of where he's been buried for about three days. And when they get there, they find the tomb is empty. And Mary just starts crying like, what has happened to him? He's gone. And she had followed him for, I don't know, two to three years of his ministry. And he was very close to him, as were the other women. That's why they were there. And she's crying, and she hears this voice off on the side and says, what are you crying about? And she said, I'm wondering where he's, he's gone. And she turns, and she thinks it's the gardener, and it's really Jesus. You can read up on it in the Gospel of John. And she goes, oh, my goodness, you've risen. And Mary is the very first person to tell others he is risen. He is risen indeed. Now, I know for many people, they've heard this story over and over and over again. And some believe it, and some don't. And some say, that is so crazy. How can I believe this? I mean, how do I know Jesus is real? Well, for one, in the Bible, it says that after Jesus died, he appeared to more than 500 people. And now you say, well, how do I know that's true? I mean, just because it's written in the Bible. Well, first about it, th think about it, that if somebody said today, you know, Billy Graham 
is alive now and walking the earth. There would be gazillions of people saying, that's not true. That's, that's, that's like nuts. But so how do we know that even though it's written in the Bible, that it's true? You may not know this, but if you really study um, ancient manuscripts, you know, the antiquities of old literature and old papyrus things, there are more than 25,000 copies of the New Testament which contains a story about Jesus. 25,000, that's a huge amount in the science of antiquities and manuscripts. And that's including not only the Greek, but the Slavic and the Latin and the uh, Ethiopic and the Arminian, all of those. And many of the authors wrote about Jesus within his generation. That's amazing. And Paul, when he writes like the letter of uh, 2 Corinthians, that's within like a year after meeting him and he's talking about it. And you think, well, big deal. I mean, is that a big deal? I mean, so what if they're 25,000? But think about this. You know, Homer's Iliad, right? Iliad, Ulysses, you know, the... Um, Odysseus and all that. There are only 650 copies of that, but nobody doubts that there's this story called the Iliad. And in fact, the first issue was written not like 30 or 40 years later, but a thousand years later. So how do we even know those are the words of Homer? But we have no problem in the world believing that. And the New Testament was written within a generation of Jesus. I mean, people talk about history, like Alexander the Great, right? Nobody doubts that there was a person named Alexander the Great. In fact, um, I even went to a place that they claimed it was his tomb. But really, the first biographies written about Alexander the Great by a man named Plutarch, isn't that a great name? Plutarch, and uh, Arian, that, the first biographies were not written until 400 years later, like at least 10 times longer uh, than the Gospels were written from the time of Jesus. But we all think Alexander the Great lived. And again, remember, more than 500 people saw Jesus. That's like amazing. Now, we can say, well, maybe it's not true. I mean, maybe people say they saw, saw him, but they made it up. But then we have to look at the lives of the disciples the ones who were really close to him. And we can see that their lives were changed. They were cowards. They were doubters. They were self-centered. They were loudmouth people. They weren't very thoughtful. And then they changed to very thoughtful, loving people. And they wrote of tremendous character and, and integrity. And, you know, they also, if you read the Bible, they made themselves look not smart not brilliant. And if you're going to make up a myth and you're the leaders, why do you write about yourself being so dumb and stupid in it? And you may think, well, maybe they're just crazy. They just think Jesus is God. Maybe they're wacko or maybe they're like from Waco, like David Koresh in the cult. But if you look at their writings, if you look at their biographies, that is not in their history. When they write, they write with character and thoughtfulness about love and about help, really helping the society. They're not mentally ill. They were common fishermen or they were um, unethical tax collectors or they were a physician, but they wrote about real love. They weren't lunatics. And then let's talk about Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. 
she was the first one, right, who went to the empty tomb and then later told the disciples, Jesus has risen from the dead. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Mary Magdalene had, you know, historically people write such bad things about Mary and some even say she's a woman who like would sell her body to others. None of that was ever proven, but the Bible does says, says that she has had seven demons. She was probably not like Miss Congeniality in a school, uh, not Miss Popularity. Uh, seven demons, I mean, she probably had, she had issues, man. She was probably not a nice person. She was probably not super kind. And yet, she would be the kind that Jesus would defend, whether in my parable on a playground or school ground or whether in real life. Isn't it interesting that God would choose Mary Magdalene to be the first one to be the evangelist that Jesus has risen? Back then, here's another reason why it's not mythology. Women back then could not even be good witnesses to give testimony in court in ancient Israel. Just not allowed because they're women. Women were looked down upon in such a heavy way. And so why, if they were going to make up this story, would they pick a woman to be the prime witness for the story in a culture where women are not respected? The fact that God picked a woman to tell the story first again shows the Lord's amazing love for those who are at outcasts, amazing love for those who are underdogs, and the fact that she had seven demons, amazing love for those who are sinners, those who have done things wrong, unethically, immorally. Maybe they've been outcasts. Maybe people have talked ill of them. Maybe they've said, you won't amount to anything. And so, when we come to today, boy, don't we want a Jesus who would defend us and help us with all of our, our trials and challenges? I mean, before COVID even happened here in Hawaii or in the world, but let's just pick our area. I know as pastor, many of our people were going through tremendous stress, strain in a marriage, financial challenges, the loss of a loved one, strained relationships, finding it hard to have patience or forgiveness or unconditional love or to love the unlovable in life. And then came COVID-19. And now we have more stress and more concern and more anxiety. Wouldn't it be now more than ever that we would want a Jesus in our lives. Somebody who says, I love you, and that you are of tremendous worth, and that you are valuable, and I want to be your friend, and I really am God. That's the story of Easter, that the person in this world who is still alive today, who is still real, is saying, I am offering you my friendship. But more than just a buddy, I'm actually the Lord of the universe. I'm the King of Kings. And the Easter story is that the Almighty God decided to come down on earth in the form of a human. And while fully divine, he chose to become like one of us, tempted like us, but not sinning, but suffering like us. And knowing pain, knowing betrayal, even knowing depression, you know, on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
That was a moment of tremendous depression and anguish. And he did that. He didn't have to do that as God. He did that for us and gave his life for us. Maybe like the kid who was never liked, the outcast. He would do that for us and offer us at times physical healing, but emotional healing and spiritual healing and says, why don't you come with me to heaven? All you have to do is follow me and say, I'm with you. So I'd like to lead us in a prayer on this Easter Sunday in 2020. It could be the most important, the best Easter of all time. If you say a prayer with me and just say, Lord, I'm with you. Jesus, I want to be a follower of you. Now, for some of you, you've never made this commitment. And maybe you've been on the fence. And maybe there have been reasons historically or scientifically. But I pray today that the Holy Spirit's talking to you right now, wherever you may be. And you can feel it in your heart. It's tugging. And it's Jesus saying, won't you follow me? And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it's basically these three thoughts. Sorry, thank you, please. Sorry, I've ignored you. Sorry, I've done some things I shouldn't have done. Sorry that I've sinned, done some unethical things, maybe illegal things. But thank you if you're offering your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. And then please come into my heart. I want to follow you. If that's the case, let's pray together right now, okay? Join me in a prayer. Lord, I'm praying with a lot of people right now, and they're listening through the Internet, but I know your Holy Spirit is right there with them, no matter what time of the day it is. And Lord, there are some people here who have never said this prayer before, and I'm going to lead them in it, Lord. And they may want to follow with me, just saying right now, sorry, thank you, please. To say, Jesus, sorry, huh? Sorry for ignoring you. Sorry for disobeying you. Sorry for about forgetting about you. Sorry for not listening. But then thank you that you always offer us unconditional love. And thank you for forgiving me. It really means a lot to me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for giving me another chance. And then please, please really come in to my heart. Come into the holy city, the Jerusalem of my heart. Come into my soul and reside there. I ask that your Holy Spirit fill me. I commit today to the best of my ability that I will follow you. I will make you the center part of my life so everything I go through, my social life, my job, my family, my friends, I want you to be the Lord in it all. And I want to seek your will of how to live a really great abundant, flourishing life. And so, Lord, I commit my life to you. 
And as I'm praying this, some of you, if you're online streaming, there's a button there and it just says, I commit my life to Jesus. And for some of the others of you, you too may want to say, I want to recommit my life to you, Jesus. I, I've been away for a while and I maybe haven't been living the way I should have been. And I want to say, sorry, thank you, please. Sorry that I've not been fully committed. Thank you that you forgive me all the time. But please, I reinstate you. I want you as the Lord of my life. I want you as my friend, but I want to really obey you and read your word and pray to you often. And so I recommit my life to you. For all of you, if, if you're online streaming, just hit that button and people will confidentially contact you and pray with you and if you want. And we might have a little gift to send you too if, if this is the beginning of your journey. So Lord, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This may be the best Easter you've ever had, if you said that prayer. It may be the best Easter you've ever had if you are just drawing closer to Jesus now and wanting to worship Him and know Him as friend and Lord and Savior. You know, reading the Bible, giving this message, praying with Him, it's always good. It takes us back to what He did for us. And now for all of you, I just want to remind you that if you want to pray with someone, if you're online right now, just hit the button of prayer and, and someone will confidentially listen to you and, and pray with you. If, again, if right now you want to commit your life to Christ, hit that button. If you're not online, um, just drop us an email on, or call us at the office number. We'll, we'll get a message and we'll, we'll call you right back as, as soon as possible. But for all of you right now, I would like to say a blessing. So please receive my blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Great to see you. Hope to see you again next week. God bless you all. Aloha. Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins and to defeat death and be resurrected to the right hand of God. Jesus is alive. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Prez website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Normally, we meet Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at The Vine in Kaka'ako. But for now, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church website, fpchawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click on Online Church at our regular service times, Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.11, and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. Be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, and daily devotionals. And remember, if you need anything, you can contact the church through the website or call 808-532-1111. 
For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prayers, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you. Happy Easter. Stay safe and thanks for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2020 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.